So we're going to go through Exodus. We stalled at the Ten Commandments, hopefully for very good reasons. I'm going to start by reading uh, in Exodus where we were, and then we'll see where we can take it. Exodus 20. They've escaped Egypt, Pharaoh. They've had some miraculous provisions of manna. They, they divided the, the hierarchy of authority. So everything wasn't falling on Moses. They're starting to carve out for themselves that they're going to be their own people. And you have to remember, this is, this is, Moses gets called up to the mountain, Mount Sinai, and God gives them these words. They're later called commandments, and we talked about that last week. But they were words, they were statements. If you, the verse, verse, Exodus 20, verse 1, and God spoke all these words, these statements. Sometimes you just have to know what's true. And you can like it or not like it, but those are realities that you can't fight against. And so essential to understanding the the commandments is to understand this. This isn't just some God with a wish list in the sky. This is is the, the divine one telling you this is how it is. And you don't break God's laws. You break yourself against them. And if you get that, you got everything. It's like, oh, I broke a law. I got away. You don't get away with it. I got two broken ribs that tell you you don't get away with breaking certain laws. You break yourself against them. Period. So it's a favor. These are given as a favor to you. And later we'll read Jesus saying, like when he talks about the Sabbath, he, he's like, you're misunderstanding. This man wasn't made. God didn't make you so he can make you obey a bunch of laws. Now, I know. I think that's what Charlie thinks these days. We brought her into this world so we can just boss her around. (laughs) It's not why you're here. We don't, we didn't bring you here so we could boss you around. We have these things that boss you around because we love you and we care for you. We gave her a rule. One of the, I had to give her the three commandments of using a sparkler (laughs) last night. There's three commandments. She never had one in her hand before. Commandment one, you can't do it on the boat. That is a little selfish, I'll admit, but nonetheless, uh, that was the commandment number one. Commandment two, thou shalt not run with a sparkler in your hand. Anybody with me, mom and dad? Amen. Commandment three, hold it away from your face like this. The three commandments of a sparkler. Why do you make them? Because you're mean? Because the reality is, if you put that thing close to your face, it's not going to be good. This is just real simple stuff. In Proverbs, Proverbs says this, 29, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. Um, It says this, if you don't have a revelation of God... If you decide to throw all this stuff to the wayside, people cast off restraint. 
How many know when you hand Charlie a sparkler, she needs some restraint? She needs it. Our society needs restraint. We're, we're pushing the edge where we feel like I would, no one needs to ever tell me anything. All I should ever do is what I feel like doing. Now, this gets really tricky when you get to the New Testament. I mean, it gets really tricky because by the time you get to the New Testament, Paul and Jesus, they're doing something with the law, which I want to get to in a minute. And they talk about it becoming internal and following the Spirit, which I totally agree with. But you have to be mature enough in life to know how to do that. This is a really good sermon. You guys want to wake the guy up over here so he can pay attention. If you're mature enough, you know, there'll be a day, hopefully there'll be a day when I can just hand Charlie a lighter and a... Please, God, there better be a day when that happens. And some of you are like, really? No, and not when she's six, but when, maybe when she's 16 or whatever. What's the age? I don't know. But there becomes an age where you don't have to. She, she gets them. She internalizes them. And now I can have more fun. I can even run with them. But you can't skip the steps. You can't get to that spot without building the foundation. The, the laws are the foundation. They're the structure. So what the Ten Commandments are, among, amongst others, is they build a foundation for a good society. And what I was trying to get at last week, and I don't know if I did it well, is we want in our society not murdering, not stealing. All, we want that. I think we still do want that. But what we have discarded readily are the first half of the commandments. And we haven't been awake enough to see the connection. I don't want anybody murdering and stealing and all that. But I mean, come on. Have no other gods before me? Please, how, how outdated are you? I mean, some of the most secular places in, in America are the universities, and uh, they're, by and large, they're just completely anti-God at this point. And the, you, you can't walk in there and join the pro-murdering club. They're against it still. They're still against that. But what they're not against is anything that has to do with putting another God in front of God or idolatry or anything. That, that's, well, that's, that's everybody's personal. Fair enough. But listen, there comes a consequence when you don't, when you have no vision of God, the first half of the commandments, people perish or they cast off restraint. And what happens is there's a cascading problem. If you, if you, you know, I'm no uh, expert, but if you study philosophy, you'll, you'll, you'll read guys like Nietzsche who warned about this. He's the guy that famously wrote, God is dead. And basically the next sentence says, and we killed him. <laughs> but he also famously warns for his own atheistic worldview, he was kind of tired and fighting against the, the corruption of the church, in my opinion. But he warned, he goes, this is going to have some terrible consequences, us killing off God. It 
It was always a, it was always a thing of values for him. You have, you have to decide what's the highest value. Every single day you make a value judgment. You got up this morning and you made a value judgment. Huh? What, what am I going to do? Pickleball? Church. <laughs> value judgment. Right? You woke up this morning, you made a, you made a judgment. You just, you, you just made a value of some sort. And every single day what happens is when you have these commandments, you have these non-negotiables in your life, it gives structure and stability to your life. By the way, this would take away so much anxiety in our culture. After a while, you have to stop and think. Like We have all these mental ailments in our culture, mental ailments, like stuff that's in our head. People have anxiety and they have depression and they have all this stuff. But what they don't have a lot of is faith and foundation. Like, I mean, no, just think about it. Just think about it. I'm like, I get it, I get it. Well, well Chris, but the kids don't want to go to church anymore and blah, blah, blah. I mean, guess what? Neither does Charlie like vegetables. Huh? And guess what happens? Every, well, not every meal we're working on, huh, babe? But we try every meal. Here it comes. Right? We're enjoying it. We're having just a nice meal. And then we got, oh, it's all going to get ugly for a minute. Here come the veggies. So we're having a nice family dinner, and here they come. Big tears, big tears. I mean, you think we were beating her. Huge tears. <laughs> I know. Here it comes. Can I count? She used to count to three when she was three. Now she's four, and she counts to 20. I count to 20. I got to get my scareds out. Anybody ever do something for your kids that they did not want you to do for them? Please tell me there's a parent in the house. <laughs> Somebody said something the other day. It's really interesting to me. They, they were talking about the difference in the generations. And it was like a real quick answer. This was a person that was in their 90s now. And they said, what's the difference? And he says, well, the difference today is the kids run the house. The kids run the house. They need it. I don't like doing it. As Vicky, I'm the worst. I'm the pushover dad. I'm hands up. But Vicky gives me a good beat down every night, tells me, gets me back in line, and then I get straightened out. And all right, all right, I'll be a better. All right. Come in with it. The, but they need it. How many know they need it? They need a foundation. They need a foundation. Then they can figure out what to do with the foundation. Jesus shows what to do with the foundation beautifully. Incredibly, but he never threw the foundation away. Did you know this? What they would do is they would read through the commandments. And, and over time in the, in the Jewish tradition, um, you would go through, you'd come, in, you'd come in like this on Sabbath and you sit together. We talked about last week how Jesus got up and he read as a part of his ritual as he was in the custom of doing. So first of all, he did it, What? Jesus grew up in a synagogue. How many know the passage when Jesus was 12 and he was in the temple debating with the Jewish leaders? You got to think about this for a minute. Most of us haven't thought about that verse. Jesus debating with Jewish scholars. Now, you can have a lot of different views about Jesus and how that whole thing works, right? Like, he was like, 
six, and then God gave him the, down, the divine download where he knew everything. I mean, because it's a hard, no, it's a hard thing to figure out. Like what, but I don't believe that. I, I, I think what he did is he went to synagogue and then he went to school and he studied like everyone else studied and he learned it. I don't think he got a divine download, but it doesn't say exactly. I can only assume he just did the work. And so he's 12 and he's in there giving it with these scholars. And what they used to do is they would have a give and a take, which by the way, is probably really good. Well, I read it this way. How do you see it? I see it this way. And they would go back and forth and back and forth. Because for instance, one of the commandments, you, you have to ask yourself, how do I know if I'm obeying the Sabbath? What does that mean? Do you remember last week? Was anybody even awake last week? Remember last week when I was talking, if you go through the commandments and you personalize them, you have to start asking questions. Well, what in the world does that even mean? Have no gods before me. Because otherwise I just go, check. Oh, good. Yeah, of course. But what does it mean to honor the Sabbath? Well, then they got into all kinds of debates and there's 30, there's, you can read it, there's 39 different categories. How far can you carry a load? When does it become work? And you go, Chris, that's why I got out of religion in the first place because of all this nanny stuff. Fair enough. Hold your phone a minute. Fair enough. That's why I got out because it got all petty. Okay, but if you don't think about it, if you just assume, well, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Isn't there some danger in that too? I mean, maybe we have to come back to the middle where we wrestle with it, where we do, we struggle with it. Like, man, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm breaking about six of them. No, at least you're honest, please. Like we just go pass, pass, pass. But no, I'm pretty sure I'm struggling with like six of them. Why, why not? Look, I'm not up here because I keep all these perfectly. That's not why I'm up here. And you know what's happened? Our culture has struggled with them. And so instead of feeling guilty or this or that, they just go, ah, oh, it's just all nonsense. Why not keep it above you? It's just like working out having a target weight or you're trying to get to a certain bench press. It's above you. Keep it up there. You don't just drop it down to 30 pounds because you can't bench press 40. It's not what you do. You keep it up there. Now, this is kind of important if you're thinking about what I'm saying. Like, if you have a standard, you don't just drop it because you're struggling with it. You keep it up there because that's the best. That's the standard. That's where you want it to be. So, Jesus is going back and forth with these guys in the temple. Twelve. You see how far our culture is from that? Let's be honest, most of us that grew up in church and been in church all our life, we couldn't hold a 10-minute conversation with these guys. This is a 12-year-old, so immersed. And so they would go through and they'd read the scripture over and over and over again. They had all these nuances to it. I think it's somewhere in Acts, maybe it's like Acts 2, where they talk about, and they were going about a Sabbath day walk. That was just language, it was part of their culture. Everybody knew what a Sabbath day walk was. It was so far you could walk. And if you walked further, you were considered breaking the Sabbath. Do you know what the word Israel means? Struggle with God. Struggle with God. Or wrestle. You know what our pro I think part of our problem is? We don't struggle with it anymore. 
We don't wrestle with it. If something inconveniences our Sabbath or something inconveniences any part, we just throw it out. I, I have a friend who's, you know, he had kids playing um, in sports. And of course, you know, I know how our culture is. They just, they, your coach does not care about Sunday church. Let's just put that out there for grins, right? And uh, they don't care. Okay, that ship sailed, I don't know, 20 years ago in our culture, something like that. It just sailed. Fair enough. Your kids grow up, you're in a, you're in a dilemma. What do I do? Um, some people, they just, well, pastor or coach. <laughs> this is true. That's okay. I'm not offended. I just, I, I know my place. And it's not really, it's not about me anyway, but I'm just saying the coach says this, pastor says, you know, fair enough. But listen, some people, at least they wrestle with it. They go, darn it, that's not right. That's not right. And it would be, it would be how many know it would be a lot easier if the whole culture did it? Come on, come on. It'd be really easy. Like, yeah, everyone does it. We all do it. It's good. But that's not happening. So we have to wrestle. And I, look, I'm not going to judge you, as Paul will tell us later, let no one judge you by the Sabbath. So be clear, I'm not judging you. Paul tells us that later and we'll get there. Don't let anyone judge you. But he also doesn't tell you not to wrestle. So this bothered my friend. He was like, I got to figure out something. So when they had a thing on Sunday, he always had church. Now, it's not the same. I get it. And I'm not, I'm not telling you that this is the golden solution. I'm just telling you, wrestle with it. So they'd have church. They'd get there. They'd get orchardgrove.org or they would find some other church. And they, they had church. And it was the only way that this dad felt like I can help my kid in a, in a society that no longer honors these kinds of things. But they would pause stop. We're in a hotel room in Vancouver or wherever they are. We're having church. My point is, I feel like what's happened in our culture is we've taken these laws and almost completely disregarded them at our own peril, where there is no revelation of God, the people cast off restraint. And then we have all these meetings about what in the world's going on? What's going on with our society? What's going on with our culture? And it's like, well, we destroyed the foundation. I used to have this really like cute little cottage. And when I say cute, because it was pretty much falling apart. And then one little room was like a little sunroom that was like a little bump out. And you could see the foundation wall just kind of it literally had cracks on the inside of the house. And you, if you paint it like every other year, it's kind of okay. The crack just got a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. And uh, my family got blessed to expand. Um, Vicky and I were talking about it. And she, I said, babe, all we got to do is just add like another floor upstairs and we can put more kids up there. It'll be fine. <laughs> she goes, right. she knew the answer was no, but she's figured I wouldn't listen to her. So she brought her foundation guy because, you know, she built home for 25 years. So she brought her foundation guy over. And so he could break the news to me. He comes over and I'm like, what do you think? We'll just throw a little second story up here. It'll be nice. He says, yeah, let me take a look at your basement. So he walks down the basement, which you had to go like this to get down into. And I figured he'd be down for like an hour and a half doing the survey, you know, walk back up in two minutes. He goes, nope. And he walked out the door. No bueno. <laughs> Foundation's no good. We're not going to do this. If you don't have a good foundation, 
Everything else is irrelevant. You, yeah, but we'll put in some really cool light fixtures. <laughs> but you wait, wait, wait to see the windows that will be out of square in a month. Wait, wait, wait we're going to have these new door hinges. And if you don't have a good foundation, the rest just doesn't matter. And I feel like what's happened is we, we, a lot of us got really blessed because other people helped with the foundation and we skipped it. And we just do a lot of painting. You know what the... Ex- now, I'm not saying if you, if you take a pill of some sort that you're a bad person. I'm not saying that. But we take a lot of pills in America. Just do your own research. Don't email me. Ready? You know what these successive thing? It's just, we just keep painting. We have this big crack. And we just, we'll just put some paint over it. I'm not, there, there are legitimate needs. I'm not saying that. There are legitimate needs. Just so that's to stop the email. But we have lost our minds. And the foundations are gone. And we just, well, just here. And what they do is, here's some, here's some paint. What if you went to the doctor and he goes, before we get started, let's just go through the Ten Commandments. I want to check your pulse, and can you cite the Ten Commandments? Because I got to know if you're even, like, basically baseline healthy. If you have any sense of order in your life. Say, Chris, that stuff doesn't matter. <laughs> I think it does. I think it does matter. Because guess what? If God's not here, who's up here? You. You and flavor of the week. You and fantasy of the week. No, it's true. Why are people scattered and all over? Because they're chasing one thing, then they chase another thing, then they chase another thing. What do I feel like this week? God. All the directions come from the top down. So every year, they develop this holiday called Shavuot. My Hebrew is not that good, but it's close. Let's say it together. One, two, three. Shavuot. One, two, three. Ready? Shavuot. So you have the Passover. We know that one, right? You have Passover. That means when they, they left Egypt and they celebrate. We got our freedom. We got our freedom. And they celebrate and they celebrated. And they were celebrating it in Jesus' day. Remember? He would go and he would celebrate Passover. When, when the death angel passed over the house and they escaped Egypt because the death angel did not enter that house. He passed over it and they all escaped. What a celebration that was. Do you know the next holiday on the calendar was? Shavuot. Passover is the 4th of July. Passover is sparklers and fireworks. Charlie asked me a deep question yesterday. Daddy, why do they call them fireworks? What? I said because they explode. She bought it. Next question. Passover, celebration, freedom, we're free. Next, next thing on the Jewish calendar... This is big. There were probably 1,500, roughly, years from Moses. We'll put Moses over here on the mountain. Then the law was given. Ish, 1,200, 1,500 to Jesus. You got the time? They developed this tradition. We celebrate our freedom. And then 50 days later, 
day of Pentecost, if you're church going, he celebrated receiving the law. Shavuot. Passover, Shavuot. And every year, you would wait. It would come around the calendar. Here it comes, here it comes. We're going to read the Torah. We're going to read the Ten Commandments. And after we read the commandments, we're going to pledge ourselves again to following it. I commit myself. I commit myself. I'm in. Modern governance is called the consent of the governed. I'm in. Yep. I'm in. Then, Jesus grows up in this culture. That's how he grew up. After Jesus, Moses, call it, we'll just round it to 1,500 years. You have Moses, then you have Jesus. A few years after Jesus, all the early church, all the followers of Jesus, they were all Jewish. This is really important to understand. They were all Jewish. So they met together on Sabbath, on Saturday, and they went through, just as they always did, the Torah, the scriptures. And so what happened? This is really big. It would come time to Shavuot, and they would read this, and they think, yeah, and Jesus even took this further. He personalized it for us. Scholars, a few, I found them for you. They're hard to find. How many, you know, like, there's a few scholars that found some stuff that made perfect sense to me. And this couple of guys, they, they think the reason that we have the Gospel of Matthew is because they would read through the calendar year, every year, the story of Israel, the story of the, the Torah, the giving of the law, all of, the, all of the, the exodus. They would go through it every year. And they thought, well, now that we're following Jesus, we also need like a Jesus story. So they'd read this as a part of their service. And then they would read a parallel Jesus story. So this one scholar says, I think the reason that we have the book of Matthew the way that it is, because at the same, they would read the book of Matthew through, also in parallel. And when they, got to the sermon, when they got to the Sermon on the Mount, that was in parallel with the giving of the law. They call it the Sermon on the Mount. Anybody ever been there? Huh? Spoiler alert, it's not a mountain. It's a nice little hill. In fact, in the Gospel of Luke, it's called the Sermon on the Plain, just for grins. He's trying to make a point. This is the new mountain. This is the way you look at it. This is the way you interpret it. And Jesus said stuff like this. He's like, well, you know, it's really good not to murder, but you shouldn't hate. Just think if that one thing got through. Not hating. I mean, we didn't even get to all the other commandments, but if there was no more hatred anywhere, in no one's heart, and in no society was there any hatred. Just think of that one little gem from Jesus. So they'd read these commandments, and they would devote themselves, and they would commit themselves to it again. And then they would read through the Sermon on the Mount the same day and hear Jesus saying, but have no hatred in your heart. 
Or think about this one. When you read, have no other gods before me, and then in the same sermon Jesus would give, it would be this. Don't worry. Seek first the kingdom of God. All these things will be given to you. These commandments are not weights, they're wings. They're meant to lift you up. If you put God in the rightful place, if you put God first, first things first in your life, it will free you from worry. If you're on the throne, guess what is feeling number one? Worry. Why? Because you make a lousy God. You do. Because you're up there on the throne, and you know, well, this could go wrong, and this could go wrong, and this could go wrong. This is what you said. Huh? I did this wrong. This will probably go wrong. Because who's on the throne? The connection of worry to you being on the throne and the breaking of the first commandment, they go hand in hand. And if you put God on the throne in your life, he'll work it out. I'll do my work, but he'll work it out. Everybody say, I'll do my work. He'll work it out. I didn't say do no work. I'll do my work. He'll work it out. I don't need to worry. He's on the throne. Because I have no other gods before him. I'm way out of time. But here's the thing. Listen. A foundation that you need. Let me just give you one little example as we close. Different uh, therapists and counselors, though, pastors, I think good ones, will say things to people like this. Like, in their, let's say you're, you're working on your relationship, let's say. And they'll say things to you, like, because when, when it gets practical, they'll say, well, do you guys go on a date night? You know, and the typical guy will, like, dude, I told her, like, 28 years ago I loved her. What do you need from me? <laughs> this is how guys operate in general, right? If something changes, I'll let you know. All right, all the moron guys out there, uh, yeah, that's pretty much how I operate. So then good therapists, counselors, they'll say things like this. Say, maybe you should continue to date your wife. You're like, that's ridiculous and expensive. <laughs> and so some people, they'll, they'll buy in and go, you know, maybe that's right. It's weird how you drift. You can just drift. It's like, well, I'm busy. She's busy. It's like, oh, I got to find a sitter. It's just, it's just, ah, oh, 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 date. Oh, my word. And they'll, they'll get specific. They'll say, just the two of you. Not double date, just the two of you. Not with the kids along. Now, I'm not trying to get in anyone's business here, I'm just, but I'm just telling you what other people say. <laughs> so they'll, they'll, they'll... And what we do is we justify. It's like, well, this can't this happen. So the other day we had a, a date arranged, you know, because I'm trying. I don't do it perfect. I'm, trust me, way far from there. But I'm trying. Giving it a go. And then something came up. And we both agreed, we both agreed that it was okay to cancel our date. And we moved it to another day. We both agreed. All right. Lightning didn't come down from heaven. We didn't, you know, fall apart the next day. But we both also agreed that we shouldn't do that a lot. That really should be exceptional. That would require that. Remember how Jesus breaks the Sabbath? 
They just agree that this, at this particular point in time, like the, the disciples are in the grain fields, they're hungry, they're walking by, or this person is lame. And I know you don't agree that we shouldn't heal him on the Sabbath, but I, I just feel like at this particular time, I should break this rule. But he did not say, who cares about the Sabbath? Or screw the synagogue. He didn't say that. Because I know, I think he knows what, what, what we all know about human nature, and that's the danger of drift. Let's be honest. There's a lot of things you can do on a Sunday. And the first day, you're fine. It's actually, thank God I wasn't there listening to him. Rah, 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 rah. Then, tush, tush. May God bless you with a million divots. Right? But you feel, but, but look, drift happens. I keep not dating my wife. Maybe there's a consequence. Oh, okay, so my grandparents did it without that. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. But I think some of you know what I'm talking about. And all of a sudden, well, because we don't want to be legalistic about going to church, we don't want to get legalistic, we've drifted. I mean, if you could zoom yourself out from our society and see what's happened over three generations, it's alarming. The amount of mental problems and chaos in our society and the decline from church, from Torah, from Ten Commandments, from Sermon on the Mount, on and on and on. You know how Jesus ends the Sermon on the Mount? You'll be blessed if you do these things. And if you don't do them, you'll be like a man who built his house on the sand. Now here's the kicker with that story. You can go a while without a good storm in your life. So you can build a great life on the sand. You can. Press the neighbors. Shangri-La. <laughs> We're painting again this year. Let me wave. We're going to add a fourth story. Go along, go along, go along, go along. Then comes the storm. Boom. Oh, crap. We didn't build a foundation. The Sermon on the Mount, which was probably read in parallel <laughs> with the reading of the commandments and the consent to follow was ended with, you'll be blessed if you do this. It'd be like building your house on a rock, a foundation. Let's talk about one more thing. Foundation building is not fun work. Huh? You know the guy that came and did the foundation for our house? He didn't drive up in a Ferrari. He probably has one, but he didn't drive up in it. He drove up in a really beat up truck. Huh? Nothing sexy about that. Just damp, cold, dark. But boy, foundation building, that's everything. Then you'll figure out what to do with the foundation. We'll get there. We'll get there. We're going to put nice windows. But you can't skip this step, friends. And I think what's going on in our generation is we're trying to skip the step. 
Check. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Check. Uh, what are the, like, seven or eight of them? Oh, there's ten. Okay, I think I know three of them. Check. Uh, and I'm sure I'm doing the rest of them. Instead of an intense, scrutinized, hmm. I mean, if you walk out, if, if you go home and do this exercise that I've been asking you to do for three weeks, if you do it and you are not struggling with at least four of them, you're lying to yourself. And, and it's okay to struggle with them, but put it up there. I'm struggling. I, how, how are we going to do this one? And some of you will struggle with every day because you, you struggle with worry every day because every day you just try to wrestle God off of his throne and what? Put yourself there every day. I got this one. Put God right over here in a closet. Huh? I was talking to a friend of mine. He goes, that's how I used to do my, that's how I used to do my faith. He goes, I was all in on Sundays. Like I, I really believed in God, but I kept God and work very separate. Because I put God over here. Love him, love him, love him on Sunday. And then I got it on Monday. He goes, what a mistake that was. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. God will work it out. Do the work and God will work it out. Let's stand. We'll have a closing prayer.